0: What's up, you beautiful bastards? Welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. I hope you had a fantastic Tuesday. If you missed it, because it was Labor Day, I did a Monday show for you, definitely check it out. But uh, I have to start today's show with some sad news. I had a conversation with my wife over the weekend and she informed me that she is not comfortable with me actually launching an OnlyFans. So for the uh, three of you that were hoping the joke would turn into reality, I'm sorry. But. As it turns out, there may be another solution. What if I found someone that actually looked like me? I put them up on OnlyFans, people are like, hey, it's close enough to the real deal, boom. Money. And as it turns out, this isn't just some hypothetical. Let me introduce you to Paige Neiman. And over the last few years, she has built an absolutely massive online following by just impersonating Ariana Grande. And you know, she doesn't just kind of look like Ariana Grande. These are photos of two different people. And even if you don't follow her, you might be familiar with Paige because we actually talked about her back in 2020, which is when the real Ariana Grande called a TikTok trend at the time of people impersonating her or characters that she's played degraded, Which led to Paige, who was 15 at the time, saying. <laughs> I'm used
1: to Ariana shame me,
0: so. Yeah, I mean, it's whatever. Uh, I'm just here to entertain people.
1: Like, it's not yeah, how we am in real life kind of why I'm not if, a fan of her anymore honestly. Like- but
0: fan or not, that didn't stop Paige from continuing to impersonate Grande and now that she is 18, she has launched an OnlyFans. It's one that she labeled 18 plus for not safe for work adult content. Though in her bio she says she's not cosplaying or impersonating but still that hasn't stopped a ton of people going, okay you're saying that but really we know what's going on here. With people noting, it's obvious she's doing her makeup exactly like Ariana and in a recent leaked photo from her OnlyFans it's clear her face is edited to look more like Ariana. I wish her the best truly but this has gone way too far. Some having also referred to this as cosplay porn and saying impersonating ariana is one thing but creating an OnlyFans that's disgusting she's using ariana's persona to sell adult content that can be viewed as sexual exploitation and i will say at the very least it is a little bit weird it feels a little bit like someone monetizing a non-tech version of a deep fake but also there appears to be nothing illegal about what she's doing just maybe morally questionable and honestly i think when it comes to guys uh, morally questionable is not something that usually stops a decent percentage from whipping out a credit card or, like i'm aware that even talking about this story, there are going to be a number of guys out there that are like, this is ridiculous, disgusting, so wrong. Can you send me the link so I can verify my feelings on this? And ultimately, like a lot of the things in the social media age, uh, the anger or disgust or whatever you want to call it, it just results in people making more money. And so with this, the two questions I'll leave you with is one, what are your thoughts on this story in general? And two, uh, if you look like me, but are slightly more attractive and or fit, uh, please email me for a possible business venture. <laughs> 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 this is a news show. Then <laughs> I want to talk to you about TikTok because there was some news recently that broke and it made me wonder, is there something that could happen with TikTok that would actually make me delete the app? Because it brings me a questionable amount of joy, which I'll touch on in a second. So it makes me go like, what would I be comfortable with? Since, you know, the more you enjoy something, the more bullshit you'll deal with. And the reason that was on my mind is because as Bloomberg reported, on Monday, several cybersecurity analysts tweeted about the discovery of what was purportedly a breach of an insecure server that allowed access to TikTok storage, which they believed contained personal user data. And noting only days earlier, Microsoft said it had found a high severity vulnerability in TikTok's Android application, which would have allowed attackers to compromise users' accounts with a single click. So concerning, but then on the other side of this, you have TikTok saying, no, the reporting here is inaccurate, and saying, quote, our security team investigated the statement and determined that the code in question is completely unrelated to TikTok's backend source code. But with that, we saw Troy Hunt, an Australian web security consultant who we actually had on the podcast back when I had a podcast, reportedly going through some of the data samples and saying that he found matches between user profiles and videos posted under those IDs, but also noting that some of the details included in the leak were publicly accessible data that could have been constructed without breach, and saying, this is so far pretty inconclusive. It's a bit of a mixed bag so far you have all of that happening as well as joe biden potentially signing an executive order soon that could impact tiktok but i don't know if there is anything that would actually make me delete the app and it's not because we post tiktoks and crush on that platform in fact I, i lose money by by putting content out on tiktok but just the sheer amount of messiness that people knowingly and publicly put out on that platform it is it is irreplaceable like, don't get me wrong most of my tiktok feed it's just like comedian tiktoks Well, kind of mainstream as well as my favorite person on the app i can't i don't know how to pronounce his last name it's like tony stadovsky but in addition to that i have a group chat that is just dedicated to messy messy tiktoks i, I gotta show you the newest one people just posting this shit for free blows my mind here we go
1: you conveniently missed a few things here so let me help you out with this timeline he cheated on me first i forgave him we went on to have a couple of children and later on in our marriage we decided to start swinging with the couple next door partaking in that swinging blurred any boundary of monogamy that we had previously had while we were swinging we became heavily involved in drinking While we were drinking, I eventually had an affair and got pregnant. I told him that I had the affair. I told him I got pregnant. I told him I wanted to keep the baby. He said, hey, I'll raise the baby as my own, since the biological father wanted nothing to do with her. Little did I know that behind the scenes, he was having an affair with my mother, and they were mustering up this whole plan on how they were going to take my children from me and go live happily ever after. We both cheated on one another, but I never deserved for my mother to betray me in the manner that she did. I could quite literally care less if the entire world hates me. My entire family has hated me my entire life. I've hated myself my entire life. I think I'm a terrible f-ing person, quite honestly. So go ahead, hate me. Tell me that I deserved all of this. Tell me that I made my bed. Tell me that that if it wasn't for me, this all wouldn't have happened, right? But what you're not gonna do is point me out to be the only bad guy in this situation because I wasn't the only bad guy. <laughs>
0: That's amazing. I wanna go to their Thanksgiving dinner this year. All of a sudden, my problems don't feel that big. Then, easily one of my favorite stories today starts with the headline, more than 100 students baptized without parents' permission at North Carolina school. Which of course, if you're not a religious person, is a headline that makes you go, what the fuck? You're gonna indoctrinate my child without permission? And I saw a number of people having that reaction, but if you read past the headline, what actually happened is that there's a Christian school and a number of people were scheduled to get baptized, but also they opened it up, said, hey, even if you're not scheduled, let us know if you wanna get baptized. And according to this private Christian school, around 100 middle school and high school students said, yeah, I wanna do that. And so it generated most of the anger where parents that just wanted to be there to witness it. With the school actually later issuing an apology saying, I do understand that parents would desire to be a part of something so wonderful happening in the lives of their children. And so I apologize that we did not take that into consideration in that moment. With Renee McLam saying that most of the parents that were contacted were glad, but noting that some were unhappy with the move, which brings us to the best line of this fucking story. Some of the children had already been baptized and at least one family was concerned that a second baptism could undo the first. Which won- one, just that's just fucking hilarious, and two. It might even be funnier if it turned out that God existed and your child didn't get into heaven because of a clerical error. Like imagine everything with religion's real, that that child grows up, invents the cure to cancer, gives all their money away, and they die peacefully in their sleep. They go to heaven and then Peter's at the gates like, oh, God. So here's the thing. You double dip the chip. Or two, if you get baptized a second time, I imagine it's like uh, if you got buffs that were stacking in a video game. But from that, I want to take a quick second to thank the fantastic sponsor of today's show, Raycon. Raycon's wireless earbuds give you amazing audio quality wherever you go for half the price without compromise. They've got three sound profiles, pure sound for when I'm listening to podcasts, balanced sound when the music changes up, and I love the bass sound, especially when I'm sprinting. I need that music pumping me up, otherwise I will realize I'm trying to sprint in 107 degree weather. But also on that note, Raycons are incredibly comfortable with optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit, so they don't budge, and trust me, they do not budge. Plus Raycon earbuds have a 32 hour battery life for eight hours of playtime with a built-in mic, so I can take calls with taps of a button they're also set to noise isolation but if you need to hear what's going on around you you just touch and hold the right earbud logo for three seconds and you're in awareness mode and did i mention that they're siri and alexa compatible super easy to pair and it's no wonder that raycon's everyday earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews so what are you waiting for click that link in the description or go to buyraycon.com slash defranco and get 15 percent off your raycon purchase how does a minimum wage fast food worker making $22 per hour sound to you? And I ask you that not because I, I like random hypotheticals, but rather because of this news we're seeing out of California. So to celebrate Labor Day yesterday, California Governor Gavin Newsom signed a landmark bill that will massively increase protections and wages for fast food workers in the state. And under the legislation, California will now officially create the first ever state council given the authority to set up standards on minimum wage, safety, hours, and other working conditions. It will be composed of four workers, delegates, four employers, representatives, and two state officials. And What they do will likely be massive for the more than half a million fast food workers in California. And that's especially true when it comes to wages because the new law allows the body to raise the minimum wage as high as $22 an hour for fast food chains with more than 100 restaurants starting next year, with also cost of living adjustments after that as well. So we're talking about a potential massive jump from the current statewide minimum wage of $15 an hour for businesses with more than 26 employees. And so with this, you had many labor groups applauding the legislation, saying that it's necessary to protect a group of workers in a sector that is strongly reliant on the franchise business model that they say is riddled with worker abuses and wage theft, and claiming that this is a power step forward in what's known as sectoral bargaining, which allows workers and management to negotiate industry-wide wages and conditions instead of doing so at individual companies and locations. And arguing that it's especially important in this specific industry, where they say enforcement of proper working conditions and other protections have traditionally required workers to come forward against their corporate overlord employers. With the president of the service employees, International Union, calling the bill one of the most important pieces of labor legislation in a generation. But, on the other side of this, we also saw many fast food restaurants and franchise owners condemning the law. With the International Franchise Association, which represents the industry, saying franchisees told them they do not know how they'll be able to make it once the bill goes into effect and arguing that the law will raise prices for businesses that will then be passed on to consumers. And they are citing an analysis from the University of California at Riverside that found that a 60% increase in worker compensation could increase prices by as much as 20%, with some opponents even saying they've had early talks about launching a campaign to put the issue before California voters in a referendum in 2024. And so with all of that said, I'd love to know your thoughts on this story and this recently signed bill. Are you for it? Are you against it? Why? Why not? Let me know. Now the final thing that I want to talk about today, as I hide inside from just the ridiculously stupid hot weather in California right now, is all this big Trump news. And today it is specifically about the criminal investigation into the records that Trump kept at Mar-a-Lago, because a Trump-appointed judge has now intervened to allow a special master to oversee the review of the documents and temporarily block the DOJ from accessing them. Right, this, as we previously talked about, after Trump requested the appointment of this special master, who would be an independent arbitrator tasked with filtering out privileged information in criminal cases where there is concern certain materials shouldn't be seen by investigators. An decision Monday, Trump appointee and US District Judge Aileen Cannon argued that there was a need to ensure the appearance of fairness and integrity under the extraordinary circumstances presented. But also very notably here, Cannon went way beyond just allowing the special master to filter the documents based on what may be protected under attorney-client privilege as is typical. She also granted the third party much broader powers by saying they can also evaluate the materials for those that could be subject to executive privilege. That's incredibly significant here because Trump has repeatedly tried to claim he exercised broad executive privileges over many of the thousands of documents. even though the Department of Justice and White House have both actively rejected that claim, Cannon's ruling here could mean that a special master will further limit potentially crucial information that investigators need to see. Which is why you have legal experts having repeatedly said that the request for a special master is just another effort by Trump to undermine the DOJ's legitimacy. And now you have many saying that Cannon's decision to actually grant this is incredibly unusual and highly problematic. This including Stephen Vladek, a law professor at the University of Texas, who described the decision as, an unprecedented intervention by a federal district judge into the middle of an ongoing federal criminal in national security investigation. And others also specifically questioning Cannon's decision to allow the special master to review materials subject to executive privilege, with the New York Times explaining, the Justice Department is itself part of the executive branch, and a court has never held that a former president can invoke the privilege to keep records from his time in office away from the executive branch itself. And so as far as what happens next, while the DOJ will be forced to stop reviewing the documents, Cannon said that the intelligence community can still continue its review. The decision also won't shut down the DOJ's criminal investigation, though it will slow it down. That said, the department could appeal this decision, but that risks sending the matter to a Trump-favoring appellate court, and then even potentially to the conservative-majority Supreme Court, a move that has a number of people worried would raise concerns about sweeping rulings that the high court could make on executive privilege that would then very much help Trump. But ultimately, that is where that story and today's show ends. As always, thank you for watching and subscribing to my daily dives in the news. If you need more news, I got the newest video right here or in the links down below. But of course, as always, my name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love yo faces, and I'll see you tomorrow.